Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. We uh, have some people out sick. COVID is raising its uh, evil head again, and uh, we want to be in much prayer for all of them. Uh, if you're in the Christmas program, in order for me to just make it quick and simple, get with Sister Pam. Uh, and uh, ask her what she needs you to do. I think there's going to be costumes that need to be uh, measured and fitted and some other things of practices. So get with Sister Pam Bartley after service. And you might want to announce that in Sunday school, uh, in the Sunday school classes, because uh, uh, most of the people here are not in the place. So uh, it'd be good to make sure the kids know. Also, uh, we have praise team practice, and this is for the uh, praise team, Friday at 6 o'clock, Saturday at 6 p.m., and Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, this week is our Harvest Time Crusade, and it's the, it's the last big service. We start Friday night, this Friday night at 7 o'clock with Brother Buddy Puckett. Saturday night, November the 18th, we will have with us Brother James Chesser, who's going to be here with us at 7 p.m. And then Sunday, November the 19th, 11 a.m., Brother Michael Moppin's going to be with us. I always have a good time with Brother Moppin. And we're going to have a dinner following, so keep that in mind. And then the Christmas ornament exchange. This is for the ladies. Uh, this will be Friday, December the 1st. So write that down, Friday, December the 1st, 7 p.m. right here at Cornerstone Apostolic Church. So keep that in mind. And then uh, we will have our Christmas program Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m. And also our New Year's Eve celebration, close out the year. We'll meet here at 9 p.m. We'll start singing, worshiping, praising, having a good time in the Lord because there's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. And we will thank the Lord that we made it through another year. And uh, I'm glad I made it to this far. Amen. And uh, anybody else glad you made it this far? And uh, then we're going to uh, go through midnight on that New Year's Eve celebration. That'll be Sunday. It's on a Sunday this year, December the 31st. So keep that in mind. And, of course, all of our youth department is back in full swing. So uh, bring your young people, bring your children, and let's get them involved in, uh, in the uh, youth department. We want to uh, remember several people. We want to uh, still remember Sister Pam Bartley, Vicki Wolford, Debbie Ratliff, uh, Edo Killian, Elizabeth Gross, Renee Stiltner, Cindy Darty, Samantha Lester, Darlene Cole, uh, Larry Hoss Wolford that used to live right over here. He passed away. And so let's remember Hoss Wolford's family in prayer. I think all the services are going to be in Ohio. So uh, keep that in mind and be in much prayer for that family. I worked with uh, Hoss up at Chisholm. He was the purchasing agent. And um, so uh, we are going to be in much prayer for the family. Also, let's remember Brother Amos McCoy in prayer. He's got COVID, and uh, as we said, COVID is raising its head. Kids have had it. Uh, adults have had it. Uh, people are, are getting it. 
But you know what? I want us to pray, a, uh, you know, a hedge of protection around not only this church, but around every home of every person. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. And we ask, Lord, that you would move in a mighty, miraculous way for each and every one that has needs, Lord, that whether it's a spiritual, physical, or mental uplifting, whether it's a financial need, Lord, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around this church and around every family. Lord, I pray that you would protect your people from the diseases of the day, that you would protect your people from COVID and from all that's going on in the world. Lord, I pray that you would show your power in our lives and in our homes. Lord, I pray that you would bless every Sunday school teacher this morning. I pray that you would bless each and every one that is gathered here today, that we we are all going to leave here with more than we came, more joy and more strength. And Lord, excited about your coming because we know you're coming soon. And Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord one more mighty hand clap. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me. We want to look in John chapter 3 and verse number 22. John chapter 3 and verse number 22. And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Ainon near Salim because there was, and everybody say, much water. Much water. You can't sprinkle people. You can't splash people, and you can't put them in a shallow situation. you got to get them under. you got to baptize them completely under. That's why John was baptizing at this particular location, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a great question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase. Everybody say, he must increase. Jesus has got to be bigger than our egos. He's got to be bigger than us. Amen. If he's not bigger than you, then you are your own God. you got to make him bigger. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testified, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. 
For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things. Everybody say all things. All things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. I think it's interesting that the last verse that we read just simply put it like it is. If you don't believe in Jesus, then the wrath of God is coming your way. If you don't serve Jesus, you can say I serve some ideology or some understanding of man and theologians. But if you don't serve Jesus... The wrath of God is coming upon you. Amen. So we want to uh, talk this morning as we teach our lesson. And uh, we want to uh, look at um, many things. But we want to just talk about Jesus being the mighty God. The mighty God in Christ. Look at somebody and say, He is God. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You got to say it like that. There's no doubt. He is God, and we're going to serve him. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's, uh, you may be seated as I begin to teach the lesson this morning. The truth about God is uh, from Genesis to Revelation, we find that God is one. Israel was understood and has understood for years and years that there is but one God. It was taught because the law began to be given unto Moses and to the children of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is such a, a, a lesson and an understanding that is really not being fulfilled in our day today. I think that we have got to get back to preaching and teaching that there is but one God. A lot of people try to find a lot of things to serve, and they try to find that, you know, uh, if I can just believe this, and everything's going to be all right, but I got to believe on Jesus because he's the only one that can come to our rescue. He's our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Master. He's everything we need. The mighty God in Christ. Looking for truth. Truth is always something that man is looking for. Uh, many people will say something and you will maybe say, is that right? I've got a bad habit of when somebody says something, I say, is that right? And what I'm asking, is that the truth? Is that the truth? Because uh, we all need to understand that if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves Maybe not, uh, you know, understanding truth. We just get, simply get into a place where we just say, you know, uh, I, I, somebody told me this and I'm just going to run with it. Uh, it's a shame, but in our day to day, you have to question everyone. You have to question the sinner and you also have to question a lot of saints because a lot of saints are only telling what they have been told. They're only telling what they've been told. So if you understand that and you begin to see how important it is that we know truth, we begin to understand that the Lord wants us to know truth, and the truth is in Jesus, but he also wants us to know the truth of his word. 
So I will respond to my place in the kingdom of God. Everybody needs to make that proclamation. I'm going to respond to my place in the kingdom of God. Because all of us have a place. All of us have a place in the kingdom. If it wasn't so... You, there'd be no need for you to be here if you didn't have a place in the kingdom. But I'm glad that you have a place. Now, in his historical novel, The Virtues of War, author Stephen Pressfield recounts a fictional, a fictional meeting between Alexander the Great and a philosopher. Alexander the Great had conquered the then-known world and was a powerful leader, heralded and feared by countless subjects. Pressfield posed that the famous emperor encountered a philosopher on a riverbank and that the two men engaged in an argument over who had the right to proceed across the river first. One of Alexander the Great's men exclaimed, This man has conquered the world. What have you done? The philosopher replied, I have conquered the need to conquer the world. You see, sometimes we want to conquer the world, but we got to conquer the need to want to conquer the world. We, I've heard people say this when they first repent. Oh, praise God, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to witness to 100 people and I'm going to win 50 people this year. And they end up winning zero because the ambition is good, and right, but the, the uh, I guess, goal is really lofty. And sometimes we get caught up in emotion and we forget to do the basics because we want people to be interested in coming to church, but then we act like the world. We want people to be interested in coming and serving the Lord, but then we don't tell them how good Jesus is. I want to always remember how good Jesus is. Jesus is good. He's good no matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you're faced with things that you uh, don't know how to deal with. Jesus is still good. It doesn't change the goodness of God by what I'm going through. I've got to understand that what I'm going through has no effect on him. In fact, it should not affect your praise. It should not affect your worship. It should not affect how you live close to Jesus. But you say, I feel let down. I feel like I've been betrayed. I feel like that nobody loves me and I feel like this. All you've been doing is listening to the devil. That's the reason you feel that way is you started listening to the wrong voice. The Lord has not changed. When he called you, he loved you enough to call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So understanding... His love does not change. It is the same since he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, like Alexander the Great and, of course, uh, some historical uh, people you ought to read about and study about because it had a lot to do, a lot to do uh, with the way that Christians were treated. Uh, if you think Hamas was evil, uh, you ought to read some history, some world history. I don't know if our school's even uh, full with teaching uh, Kentucky history and world history and, and uh, U.S. history, but that was all part of our coming through school. You knew that in about the seventh grade, uh, you was going to have uh, Kentucky history. 
And then you was going in, in high school have U.S. history and then world history. And why should we know the history of Kentucky, U.S., and the world? So we know when people start talking all this craziness that we know what we know what we know. That's why we need to know world history is because a lot of people that says that Israel don't have a right to the homeland, they don't understand what God gave Israel way back before you and me was ever born. I believe that a lot of people need to study world history in order to study why we have wars and rumors of wars and all sorts of things. So like Alexander the Great, it's easy for us even as followers of Jesus, to become intoxicated with pride and ego. It's very easy for us, even as God's people, to get heady and high-minded. In fact, the Bible teaches us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Now, the reason that we have to keep ourselves humble and in check It's simple uh, because the Lord is to be exalted because He is above all. He is to be worshipped above all. When you woke up this morning, it shouldn't have been all about you. It should have been about Jesus. First thing you woke up, I I woke up with Jesus on my mind. And I want to serve Him and I want to love Him and I want to honor Him. Now we find that we may even ourselves engage in spiritual pursuits for carnal reasons. There's a lot of people standing behind pulpits that have no business being there. They're there because of carnal reasons. They want to be leaders. There's a lot of people that's on platforms singing and performing, and they have no business being there because they're there for carnal reasons. Now, uh, I've always said this. uh, You know, you have all the big-name singers and musicians and all that, and and when they're big and when they're uh, popular... You can't get them to come to a small church. But just as soon as their run is over and just as soon as the stadiums quit being filled, all of a sudden they want to come and be a part of small venues. Why? Because their ego. They've got to get that feedback. They've got to perform. They've got to get on a stage. They've got to have a platform so they can sing and, and, and be looked at. Because, you see, once that gets in your system, if you're not careful, it will rule you in every aspect of your life. We have to get rid of the ego. Somebody say, get rid of the ego. Get rid of the ego. We find that John the Baptist didn't have an ego. He was such an intriguing figure in history, biblical history, that we find that he began to say, I must decrease and he must increase. The reason being, he didn't have an ego. Now, John had a lot of followers, but he didn't have an ego. John had a lot of people that looked up to him, but he didn't have an ego. He began to talk about one that was mightier than him. You see, we need to talk more about Jesus than we talk about ourselves. We need to talk more about Jesus than we talk about the weather. We need to talk more about Jesus than we do about Facebook. We need to talk more about Jesus than we do about the events going on in the world. 
Because all we got to do is remember Jesus is above all. He is above all. He is through all. He's in you all. I believe that we need to understand how great it is to be a child of God and be called by the name of Jesus. Yes, we are Jesus people and we're unashamed. We're Jesus name people and we're unashamed. I began to think about how important it is that we look and we see that these pursuits. John the Baptist is an intriguing figure because he begins to point forward. He begins to say, you can't look at me because the one coming after me is greater than I am. He's greater than me. And that's why we can't be selfish and say, well, you know what? Somebody sings better than me and get jealous, all jealous. Somebody plays music better than me and we get all bent out of shape. Or somebody, you know, can do something in life better than me. And we just start having a hard time dealing with that. Well, that's ego. Ego gets in the way, and the next thing you know, you get jealous because of others. You get jealous because people have nicer homes, nicer cars, nicer things. And then you start looking, and you say, well, I'm jealous, and pastors do this all the time. They get jealous because somebody's got a bigger church or a better church or a more, uh, you know, bigger building or something like that. we got to let all that go and say it's not about the building. It's not about the, the size of the building or where we work worship it's about if we worship it's about if we're going to lift up that name contrast John the Baptist example with that 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 we routinely see happen with today's celebrity crazed spotlight culture Um, many professional athletes attempt to hang on way past their prime you see athletes are just like you There comes a day when they get old, and they can't do what they once did. And so, you know, they have a hard time making that decision about retiring. They have a hard time. They don't want to let it go. Why? Because of the fame. Money, of course, is always, I mean, if you paid me 14 mil to go out and get hit every Sunday, I might do it. $14 million. No, I wouldn't do it. I like my bones to be intact. We got to have an idea of understanding of what it is with all these athletes and all of Hollywood and all the rock and roll bands and all the even gospel groups. Once they leave their heyday, what we in East Kentucky call heyday, everybody knows what that means, right? Their, Their time of popularity and fame and all of that. Then they find it hard just to be an ordinary person. They find it hard to just be an ordinary person. I was, I was uh, reading and listening to a, a, an interview of, of, an, of a rock group back in the day. I don't even know their uh, knew them because I was in church then. And when I got in church, I quit listening to rock music. You should too. And uh, so uh, this, this interview went like this. Uh, they had got to the point to where they uh, couldn't play, so they, they was a little rusty, a little old. Your fingers get arthritic. You can't, you know, do the guitar like you once did and tickle the ivories like you once did because your fingers don't move as fast. 
And then your voice starts changing, you know. Your voice gets old and you have to go down. All these young people, they don't know, but they're going to understand one day. They're going to say, I used to sing that song in the key of G. Why am I singing it now way lower, about five steps lower? It's because you can't hit those high notes no more. You know why? Because your voice changes. You change. You grow old. So what are you saying, preacher? All these people that are famous, all these people that have all this uh, fame and fortune going on, even politicians do it. Look at our Congress. We got people in there that just about have to be, you know, carried in. We got people freezing at the podium. The question is, why? Why? Because they can't let go of the power and fame. Because their ego has them so bound. You see, a lot of people, the reason they won't serve the Lord, they know they got to let go of their ego. Let, look at somebody and say, let go of my ego. Don't praise me, praise the Lord. Let go of my ego. That'll preach sometime. Coming near a pulpit near you. We find that it's going to be very important to understand how important it is that even politicians, they seek re-election, 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 and they get in their 80s and 90s, and, and they die in office because they can't let go. You see, sometimes we do that as the people of God. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of uh, business leaders that held on to businesses until the business whittled away to nothing. I've seen a lot of preachers that hung on to pulpits until the congregation whittled away to nothing. I've seen a lot of Christians that began to hold on to things because they thought, well, if I let go of my Sunday school class, uh, ain't nobody can teach like I can. If I let go of my microphone, ain't nobody can sing like me. You know, we all understand there's coming a time when we all are going to have to be replaced, right? Every one of us. That's right. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that I want to be pastor when I'm 90. I used to say 62 and 65, but here I am. I tell, I tell a preacher friend of mine all the time, I say, I'm ready to, you know, pass the baton. He said, no, you ain't. I said, yeah. I said, don't you feel like it's time to let some younger generation take over and, and start running with, with the work? Not just running with the money, because that's what most young people want. Oh, man, I got the money, I got the power, I got the authority, and it goes to their head. You got to understand that we need, we need faithfulness and we need people coming up, and, and, and we don't need to be hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. You see, I, I, could, I could talk about a lot of instances where people are hanging on and they're just simply, uh, you know, should have uh, retired from their job. I know school teachers, we used to, we used to laugh because we had a school teacher in the area that was so old. And uh, we kept saying, why don't she retire and let my wife have her job? That's when my wife was going to college. And, you know, she, she got out of college and she couldn't get a job in Pike County. She couldn't get a job at, close to home. She had to go to Beach Creek, West Virginia, and Dale Barton, West Virginia, and then had to drive all the way across the hill to Feds Creek because that's where she started all of her teaching. And, and all these old teachers that wouldn't retire that could have, 
they just kept holding on. They just kept holding on. I said, why don't they retire? Then when my wife got her age, I looked at her and I said, you know you're the person now that they're saying, why don't she retire so I can have her job? That's right. There comes a time when ego has to fall and you have to admit, yes, I do need to retire, step aside, let somebody else do things around, uh, you know, uh, whether it's a business, a church, whatever it is. You can oversee everything. You can be old and oversee, and that's a good thing. Because a lot of times you need wisdom over you. Because sometimes I've seen churches that young people took over and they literally destroyed it. They destroyed the congregation. They destroyed the finances. They destroyed everything and left nothing but an empty building. It's a sad thing to see. So we see that John... John the Baptist was an example of what we routinely see happen with today's celebrity, uh, you know, uh, scene, if you will. John the Baptist was one that said, wait a minute, I've got to step aside. I've got to become less. He's got to become more. And that's what all of us have to learn. I don't care if it's a preacher, a musician, singer, or if it's somebody sitting on a pew. We have to become less. And he's got to become more. I want him to be more in my life. I want him to be exalted more. I want to exalt him more. My ego's not big enough. As you've heard people say, you know, this town's not big enough for the both of us. Your ego ain't big enough for both you and the Lord. You have to let it go. Look at somebody and say, let it go. Look at somebody and say, decrease. He's got to increase. May God help us to put his kingdom first. I want to always put his kingdom first. Understand that our personal ambitions must be laid aside so Jesus Christ can be glorified. Jesus can't be glorified if we're looking for glory. How many knows that the Bible says he don't give his glory to nobody else? That means if you're looking for glory, you're trying to steal from the Lord. You're trying to do the very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Lucifer thought, I'm going to get some glory. I'm a good choir director. I'm going to get me some glory. You know, I've seen churches have church splits because of people that wanted glory. I've seen people get so heady and high-minded that they thought, well, that church will surely fall if I leave that church. I've had people even say that. I brought people to you. I'll take people away. I said, see ya. Why would I want to look at them and say, oh, well, please don't. It's not God It's not you that is God. It's God that brings people. It's God that plants people. You might say, you don't know. I brought a lot of people. I've introduced a lot of people to Cornerstone. Well, thank God for you. But it's not about you. I hope you introduce them to Jesus. I I hope you begin to tell people how great it is when we come to the house of the Lord that we exalt Jesus here at Cornerstone. That we're not here to stroke each other's egos and pat each other on the back and, you know, tell each other what good people we are. Because there ain't none good, no, not one. So God help us to put his kingdom first. 
that our personal ambitions would be laid aside so Jesus can be glorified. The spotlight will not always shine our way. People say, well, you know, back in the day, you know, back in the day, I was a choir director. I'm no choir director now. You know what? I don't even want to be a choir director. You know why? Because I can't direct the choir now. My time has passed. But I still have people say, Ah, oh, I was searching YouTube. And I saw you in the choir. And you were singing, um, I forget what it was. Uh, Let me tell you who Jesus is. And I said, Woo, that was back in the day. And they say, why don't you sing that song and do that song? I said, well, first of all, I ain't got enough breath. Second of all, I sing off key more than I sing on key. And third of all, I can't direct the choir because my day has passed. And I, I knew my day passed. And you see, my day's passing for me to keep plucking on that. Because the next thing you're going to see is me sitting down plucking on it. That's right. Then next thing you're going to see, I'm going to be letting it stay in the stand, and I'm going to be over there. So my day's coming. Look at somebody and say, your day's coming too. Your day's coming. That's why we got to train up. Everybody say train up. Train up. If we're not training up future leaders, if Sunday school teachers ain't trying to beget Sunday school teachers, and musicians ain't trying to beget musicians, and singers ain't trying to beget singers, then we're in trouble. I had a singer one time talk about how that, you know, if they, if they left, how bad our singing would be. I looked at him, I said, we was singing before you came. We sung while you was here. And we'll be singing afterwards. Because I want everybody in this church to know, including myself, it's not about us. Any of us can be replaced. John had a clear understanding that ministry frequently involves many hardships and heartaches. And some of those difficulties arise when we lack understanding of who God is, who we are, and what he has called us to do. If, if we don't understand those three elements, who God is, who we are, and what he's called us to do, we will always struggle with finding a place in the church. We'll always struggle. You'll, you'll say, I don't know. I, I thought that God wanted me to have my hand on this. And, and I'll tell you this, one person can't have their hand on everything. And when that starts happening, you know what? I see a spirit of Jezebel. Because Jezebel said, I don't care what he says about his vineyard. I'll get it for you. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we will try to put our hand on everything. We want to be involved in, in youth service. We want to be involved in Sunday school. We want to be involved. And nothing wrong with wanting to be involved, but you can't have your hand on everything. There comes a time when you realize there's other people in the church that may have talents that we haven't tapped into yet. Maybe there's some people sitting on the pew that are singers that haven't opened their mouth yet. Maybe they're musicians that haven't revealed that they can play yet. 
But whatever it is, we can't look and say, I'm irreplaceable or non-replaceable. All of us have an expiration date. (laughs) You know, you look at milk and you look at the expiration date, but how many of you is like me when you take the lid off, you smell it? You don't trust the expiration date. You see, sometimes we, we know our expiration date that we're coming to a close in whatever ministry, you know, or whatever uh, we're doing for the Lord, and, and, but we still want to make sure, you know. And the Lord's always got uh, a place for the elderly. And that's why I want to try to help our church understand something. Elderly, we don't push them out of the way and say, y'all out of date and y'all can't get with it and y'all can't do this. No, they were the reason you're here. And you're able to sing, and you're able to play an instrument, and you're able to preach, and you're able to teach Sunday school. That's the reason. And so we always look, and we got these elderly people that are overseeing, overseeing the younger generation. We're not looking down your back just to make your life miserable, but we're looking down your back to try to get you to do things right, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. So we find that we got to know who God is. We got to know who we are. We got to know what he has called us to do. When it came to ministry, John the Baptist, uh, of course, uh, being a great minister, a great man, seemed to have numerous advantages. Both Isaiah and Malachi both announced centuries in advance that John would be the forerunner for Israel. For, for the Messiah. I thought it was interesting that that is uh, something very important to look at because Isaiah 40 and verse number 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. This is a prophet talking about John the Baptist. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, I want to stop right there. If they could bring up Isaiah 40 and 3 up there. We've got all sorts of uh, scriptures already in, in, the, in the menu there. Uh, Isaiah 40 and 3 ends with, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, who did John make a highway for? Jesus. That's right. Don't be afraid to say Jesus. Jesus is God, right? That's why when Isaiah was talking about it, it's a highway for our God. Because Old Testament, we understand Jesus wasn't walking around in the Old Testament. Right? God wasn't manifest in the flesh until the New Testament. So we see something interesting that the very last few words ends, make straight in the desert. Notice where in the desert. Where was John the Baptist? In the desert. You see, that's how you know God's word is true. God's prophecies always come true. They don't hit near or almost say what it means. It completely says what it means. God's prophecies are sure. His promises are amen. Yes and amen. 
I believe that we got to understand that the prophecies of the Lord will always come to truth. How do I know a false prophet? Somebody who gets up and says something's going to happen and it doesn't. I've heard people get up and say, well, there's going to be 50 get the Holy Ghost here. And 50 didn't get the Holy Ghost. They're false prophets. You see, we got to be aware of this. We say, oh, that's kind of rude, Pastor, to talk about false prophets. No, it's, it's a God thing. If we don't talk about false prophets, people's going to believe that anybody that says I'm a Christian is a Christian. And I got news for you. They was, they was people that said, I'm preaching the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons just tore them up. Destroyed them. Said, well, let me tell you something. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, if we're not careful, we will forget that we have to exalt the name of Jesus and we got to preach it. Line upon line and precept upon precept. And don't stand and try to predict when the Lord's coming back. He didn't leave that to you and me. But he did say when you see these things start to come to pass, then you better start looking up. That's right. He didn't leave us clueless. He gave us clues. And so we got to always remember the clues are coming true today. How many knows there's war? Rumors of war. Talk of war. And you say, oh, that was terrible what Hamas did to the Israelites. It was. But Israel's been dealing with that all their existence from the Bible on through. You ought to read your Bible. It's a modern day newspaper. You see things happening today that, that is written in the Word and was written so many hundreds and even thousands of years ago. We find that Isaiah says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Even Isaiah knew Jesus was God. Even, even Isaiah prophecy. Now, now Isaiah never met Jesus, right? That we know of. It's, it's not recorded in the word that Isaiah said, Hey, Jesus, how you doing, man? No. Never met him. But you know what? He's talking about a highway being prepared for our... Why didn't he say their God? Our God. You see, it don't do you no good to call Jesus somebody else's God. The God of my father. The God of my mother. The God of my uncle. No, he better be your God. Right? He better be your God. And some people say, well, I know the God of Abraham. That, that was the whole thing that the people wanted to do. They come up to Jesus and they said, you know what? Abraham's our father. Jesus said, let me tell you something about Abraham. He saw my day. He rejoiced when he saw my day and was glad. He saw my day. The very one you're holding on to talked about me. Now, did Abraham meet Jesus? That's debatable, isn't it? That's debatable. We know he didn't meet him in the flesh. Who did he meet? He met God. Because the flesh didn't come into effect until the New Testament. And everybody say amen. amen. That's right. 
because that didn't come into effect until the New Testament. But we find that God is God. God don't never change. We find that Isaiah says it's a highway you prepare and make straight for our God. That's a good verse. Somebody wants to know about the oneness of God, you can take them Deuteronomy 6 and 4. You can take them in the New Testament and show them all about talking to, to uh, you know, Thomas and talking about the others and talking about, uh, you know, just giving Bible lessons. I and my father are one. You can take them and show them all those. Why not take them and show them what the prophets thought about him? What did the prophets say? Because he's not only talking, the prophet is not only talking about, uh, you know, John the Baptist, but Isaiah is talking about Jesus, our God. I'm glad I know our God. When it comes to ministry, Isaiah 40 and 3 tells us. Look at what Malachi, most of the time when we talk about Malachi, we talk about tithes and offerings. <laughs> You're going to get spared today. Here's what it says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Notice this. This prophet is talking about John the Baptist and talking about him making a way, which we know he prepared the way for Jesus. Prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He's coming. And we're still preaching he's coming. We're understanding that he's coming. And if we're not careful, we'll get so burnt out on hearing that he's coming that we will not really believe that he's coming. We'll get so burnt out because we'll say, well, everybody says that and everybody is talking about that and, and, and I know that the Bible says this and the Bible says that, but I want you to know He is coming. He is coming. And, and you can say, well, he, he may be, He might be. I even heard one, uh, I saw a title. I didn't listen to it because I don't like to listen to garbage. And sometimes you've got you to quit listening to garbage on the Internet. Just because the internet has it doesn't mean it's true. We're, we all hear about AI. Well, AI is going to change the whole game. Because you're going to see people that you have faith in start saying things that are crazy. And you say, well, they said it. Was it them or AI? They said they could take a sample of someone's voice for about 15 seconds and make them say anything. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's scary crazy. But you know what? That's why you got to know them that labor among you. And I, I saw a title on, on Facebook, and uh, not Facebook, but YouTube. And this title was, Jesus is not coming. And I thought, what a fool. What a fool to say Jesus is not coming. Well, we see that every prophecy in the Old Testament is being fulfilled with John the Baptist and Jesus. And guess what? Every prophecy is going to be fulfilled. We saw it in the book of Joel when in the upper room 
120 received the Holy Ghost. This is that. He got up and preached. This is that, which the prophet Joel talked about. You see, prophets never miss the mark. And I don't believe they are going to miss the mark on the end time. I believe that the end time is upon us. And the things that we see happening, we understand the Bible has been talking about it. Shown us how real it is and how quickly things can change and come to pass. Not in a, in a lifetime would Israel have thought that October the 7th they would be dealing with death and destruction. It was like any other day that you wake up. But they woke up to terror. I believe that we need to understand how easy time can slip by. And we can say, I'm going to wait till I see this happen. And then I'll get serious about serving the Lord. It may have slipped by in your night. You may have slept through a prophecy. That's right. You may have slept through something that the Bible said would happen right before he comes. And then you wake up and now the Lord is coming. And if you're not ready, you're going to be left behind. But you see, John's birth was foretold by an angel who informed Zacharias, his father, what a baby's name, what the baby's name would be. We find that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. John. <laughs> John. <laughs> I'm listening out. I got my hearing aids in, brother. I can hear you. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about, about this. He would have liked to maybe called him, you know, Zach Jr. Zach, Zacharias the third, the fourth, the second, whatever he would have been. But how would you like for an angel to name your baby? I wouldn't mind it. Because if an angel's going to name my baby, my baby's going to be very, very used of God. So I'm not going to get bent out of shape if, if uh, somebody comes to me and says, you know what, an angel said I should name my baby this. I'm going to say, name it. But that's not my name. I don't care. Name it. Even if its name is something, I better not start naming names. I might insult somebody. John would say of or Jesus would say of John, among them that are born, that are born of women, women there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist nobody greater than John the Baptist it's difficult to imagine it's difficult to imagine this being said about John none of these advantages or accolades prevented John from experiencing the ugly side of life ministry sometimes gets ugly John, ain't nobody like him. But you know what? He had rejection. He had people that persecuted him. You know, we know John the Baptist, you know. Uh, what do you want? I want John the Baptist's head in a charger. You know? But this is nobody greater. But that's 
when you fulfill your role in the Lord, you're done. Right? That's right. Somebody's saying, oh, man, I hope I got a long role to fulfill. Well, I hope you do too. None of these things kept him from experiencing the ugly side of life and ministry. Because ministry gets ugly sometimes. Because it got so ugly, let me tell you what old Pastor John the Baptist did. He looked at them and called them vipers. He called them hypocrites. Bunch of hissing snakes. Yeah, if your pastor done that, well, he'd be on Facebook. I can't believe Pastor McKinney said those things to somebody. He insulted them. They said they weren't coming back. John the Baptist didn't care if the hypocrites weren't coming back. <laughs> he wanted to tell people about Jesus. He wasn't worried about the hypocrites and all of their garbage they were spewing all around him. You see, we got to get our ears and eyes off of all the garbage that's being spewed around us and start getting focused on Jesus and say if my preacher ain't preaching Jesus we got to get another preacher if my preacher and church ain't standing for the Bible and holiness and separation from the world we need to get another church uh, I believe that we got to get to a place where we understand that, that John the Baptist wasn't fearful he experienced the ugliness of, of life and the ugliness of ministry but you know what he kept telling people Jesus is coming he's greater than me he's mightier than me I got to get less he's got to get more so we see how important it is. You know that, um, that uh, John had good parents. Good parents raise good kids. Sorry parents raise... It's easy to say, isn't it? Good parents raise good kids. Sorry parents raise sorry kids. You know? Good pastors raise up good people. Sorry, pastors. Sorry, people. And it happens. You know why? Because we're living in a day, if we're not careful, we'll get so wrapped up in, in, uh, in trying to please what others think of us that we will fall short of what God thinks of us. I want to I know what God thinks of me. Well, we find that, uh, you know, both parents were righteous before God. Walking in all commandments, everybody say all commandments, and ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's found in Luke chapter 1 verse 6. We find in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 3, And said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I think it's interesting that when we begin to see this, we see that John is in prison. He's, he's wondering... Do, do I need to look for somebody else? Sometimes in your prison, sometimes in your lowest point, you start looking for something else. Well, church didn't do it for me. I got to look for something else. Well, I tried to serve the Lord, but that didn't work out, so I got to try something else. This is what happens when we find ourselves in prison. John was no different. 
The only difference between John and some people was John did not give up. He just wanted to know, do I need to look for somebody else? And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. John wants to know, does he need to look for anybody else? And he said, no, you go talk to John. You tell him about blinded eyes being open, and you tell him all the things you see. So he went back and told John that was enough for John. Right? Sometimes we got to have enough. It's enough just to know that Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. I believe we got to know that if Jesus said it, that's enough. That's enough for me. We find that his story came to an abrupt and violent conclusion when Herodias got into the act. Now, let me tell you something. Spirit of Jezebel didn't die with Jezebel. Spirit of Jezebel still worked in John's day. And the spirit of Jezebel still works in our day. Be careful of people that are lovey-dovey with you and want to entice you with their sensuality. Now somebody might say, I ain't never let nothing like that happen. Well, let me tell you something. Some people get your favor because they just smile and blink and carry on with you and, and become your buddy. Right? Some people say, why don't you and your wife ever buddy up with a whole bunch of people in church? I'm going to tell you why. Because we don't buddy up with nobody so nobody can say, well, that's their friend. That's why they got by with it. That's right. I love everybody here, but you know what? I can't be your best bud. I got to be your pastor. Amen. Amen. Um, looking at this, Herodias got into the, into the thing, and it was a time when Herod the, the, the Tetrarch uh, heard of the fame of Jesus. We heard about how how important Jesus is and what he's doing and said to his servants this is John the Baptist he's risen from the dead therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias's sake his brother Philip's wife for John said unto him it's not lawful for thee to have her you know how to get least popular in our world today Tell somebody they're living with somebody and it's not lawful for you to have her. That's right. You start talking. I know you, you, you married out of the faith. I know that you're living with somebody. I know that, but you're, it's not lawful. See, it gets quiet when truth starts going forth because truth will set you free. It's not lawful for some people to do some of the things they do in relationships. And we see that that's what got John in trouble. It was when he simply looked and said, it's not lawful for thee to have her. You can't have your brother's wife. And when he had put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. And when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them. Yeah, it wasn't one of them, 
is one of them sensual things. Hula hooping. That's right. Doing a little shimmy. Be careful of people that come up to you with sensual, sensual affection. I can't stress this enough. This is how men leave their wife and go out on their wife is because somebody comes up sensual. This is how wives leave their husbands. This is how churches get led astray. People come in with a sensual spirit about them. You ever look at somebody and say, boy, they sure have a following. They know they're drawing people. Why are people drawn to them? You ever said that? If you've ever said that, you've wondered the same thing I've wondered. Why is there so much sensuality that people are blinded by that they're willing to follow an Herodias? You see, if we're not careful, we will forget these stories in the Bible because if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. There's adultery, fornication, murder, devastation on every hand, right? All of that's in the Word. You look at some of them people in the Bible and you say, wow, there's some wild people back in the day. I mean, my goodness, Solomon had all them wives and concubines. Lord done told him and everybody warned him, you can't do that, they'll, they'll lead your heart astray. No, I'm, I'm man enough to take it. You don't understand, I'm, I'm man enough. No, we ain't man enough to do nothing but mess up. We got to understand Herodias' situation. It was such a... A day of Herod's birthday. And Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she being before instructed of her mother said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. You see, the dance that cost him his head. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of dancing going on. It's costing people their walk with Jesus. I'm going to say it again because that wasn't enough amens for true Holy Ghost apostolic people. There's a lot of dancing going on that's causing people to lose their head. They don't think about what they're doing. They're following the, the lust of, of the church world. They're following the desires of, of, of the church world. And I'm going to come to a close with that because it's so important that we understand how when you look at John's uh, you know, life and how that he loved the Lord, it started out with uh, his name being given by an angel. And then we find that he goes through all of these things but the main thing that he said when he began to uh, just come about and say, I got I to gotta decrease. I got to decrease. He's got to increase. I wonder if that can be our desire. If we can just say, I, I don't need to have re uh, you know, recognition. I don't need accolades. I don't need pats on the back. I want Jesus to get all the glory. I want Jesus to get all the praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I want to close with that. 
And, and may the Lord bless you. I pray that today's lesson has got you thinking about how we need to lift up the name of Jesus. How we need to exalt Him above everything else. Because the world that we're living in, it is exalting self, exalting popularity, exalting Hollywood, exalting the country scene, exalting all these things. But if we don't exalt Jesus, we got to exalt our hero. We got to exalt the one we love. His name is Jesus. Amen. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you is our prayer as we get ready to turn the service over and transition to Sunday school. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Great lesson this morning. I tell you, we was thinking as Brother McKinney was, was teaching and preaching both. We've got to watch what we like, don't we? You like something right. on social media, you're upholding that. Amen. We gotta watch what we support. We better be supporting the Lord. Amen. Right. Have any birthdays or anniversaries? <laughs> There's twenty five, fifty, sixty, one, two, three, four, sixty four. Amen. This is the only time of the year that I'm one year older than her. Because when it gets February, I'm going to turn another number. She reminds me that ain't the way it works. So. I knew her when she was 15. 15 years old. And uh, I moved over here. And uh, when my little, I spy with my little eye. And uh, so we started dating in high school. And uh, then we got married when she graduated. And we've been together ever since. So uh, you got any birthday wishes? <laughs> you know, when you get a certain age, just another number, another day. Amen. Amen. Let's sing happy birthday to Sister McKinney. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. Yeehaw!
He's thankful for the word. We need the word. We can't even Amen. be saved except by the foolishness of preaching. Amen. That's how we're saved. And Jude, we'll start in Jude chapter 1, verse 16. It said, There are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling word, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Admiring talking about everything but Jesus, ain't they? It ain't hard nowadays to look around and see a lot of that. But, beloved, remember ye this word, these words, which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last day who should walk after their own ungodly lust. I woke up this morning and I seen a little something on Facebook. It got me stirred up. It got me stirred up and got me thinking how we've, We've made this stage, you know, not just this stage, but in your lives. Sometimes we make it a mockery. We go through life and we get carried away for whatever reason, and, and we just make a mockery of it. Don't make light of the things that God has, has commanded to be holy. This place, not just this place, but this altar, and the altar in your home, amen, you better be building it back. Prayer is important, saints of God. I know we keep harping on the same old thing, seems like. These lessons, they're all, they're all pointing to the same thing to me, Brother McKinney, is we better be getting our house in order. It's time to get our house in order and quit making a mockery of God. Amen? If you're living two different things, when you go outside here and you come in here, amen, and you've been living a life out there that does not glorify God's sanctuary, today is the day of salvation. It's time for us to quit making a mockery, amen, of God. To lift up, there's a song that says, Lord, help me lift up clean hands and a pure heart. Let me magnify the Lord with a holy heart, amen. So I want to lift up my hands and I want them to be pure, don't you? I want to lift up my hands and my praise to the Lord. How many come today to praise him, amen? He's brought you through another day. Sister McKinney, he's brought you through another year, amen? So you've got reason to praise Him. Amen. I've got a reason to sing, church, don't you? I'm going to praise Him with clean hands. Hallelujah. How many come? How many is going to come and lift up the name of the Lord? Hallelujah. Close my eyes. I can see your glory when I raise.
Jesus to be formed in your life. Come on. Are, are we really wanting Jesus to be formed in our life? Do you feel like that you need Jesus more today than you did yesterday? We want to pray for the church. We want to pray for revival. We want to pray for all of those on our prayer list. 
We have so many people that are in need of prayer. And uh, if we're not careful, we let them slip through the cracks. And next thing you know, we'll be hearing about a funeral. Or we'll be hearing about someone who has gone on to even worse condition. All because we failed to pray. So let's all remember to pray for these. Uh, we want to remember about the last ten of these. Let's remember Vicki Wolford, Debbie Ratliff, Edo Killian, Elizabeth Gross, Renee Stiltner, Cindy Darty, Samantha Lester, Darlene Cole, Larry Hoss Wolford family. Let's remember Hoss's family as they go through the loss of Hoss. And also let's remember Brother Amos Blankenship who is sick this morning and needs a touch. If you're here today and you got needs in your life, whether it's for yourself or for your family, could you lift your hands? Could you lift your other hand and could you begin to talk to Jesus? Come on, let's lift up that name. they get ready to sing. If you have need of prayer, come to the front at this time and they will anoint the you and pray stories for you. that have proved your faithfulness I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend and there is beauty in what I can't understand Jesus into you Working God, and you heal because you love. 
disappear. We've seen broken bodies healed. Well, don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Tell me. 
It's just too good to not believe. We want to remember some uh, things coming up. Um, I want to make just this announcement before we ask. We'll ask our, I guess, ushers to come at this time. But um, if you need, uh, if you are in the Christmas program, you need to get with Sister Pam and talk with her about some things. And um, also the praise team will be practicing Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 6 p.m., and Sunday at 10 a.m. 
and uh, because we're having our harvest time crusade services that are coming up so we always want to remember those and we always have a great time with all of them uh, that come in for that also we want to remember our Christmas program we want to remember that uh, Sunday December the 10th at 6 p.m. but also CAC Christmas ornament exchange write this down it's going to be Friday, December the 1st, 7 p.m. right here at CAC. So keep that in mind. CAC Christmas Ornament Exchange, Friday, December the 1st, 7 p.m. Also, we want to remember our New Year's Eve celebration that is coming up. That will be Sunday, December 31st, 9 p.m. to midnight. And don't forget, youth service on Wednesday night is in full swing so all ages, we want you to come out and be a part of the youth service. Uh, as we get ready to give, there's a song that uh, the uh, praise team has learned. And it's just uh, a song about praising the Lord in the valley, praising Him on the mountain, praising when you're sure and praising when you're doubting. There's things that we need to understand. You've you got to praise the Lord when you're outnumbered. Praise Him when you're surrounded. Because praise is the waters my enemies drown in. I love that part of that song that says, Praise is the waters my enemies drown in. So what's that saying? If we'll learn how to be praisers, we won't have to worry about what comes against us. Sickness, disease, problems, circumstance, it doesn't matter. If praise is the water that your enemies drown in. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we come before your presence. We ask that you would bless each and every soul that had to give. And Lord, we ask that you would multiply the offering. Use it, Lord, to get glory out of our lives as we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Christ is the one. We praise. Amen. That's all that matters is that we praise. Amen. Amen. Me and Sister Tennille was talking. We were reflecting on what God has brought us through. And she said, you know, we can worship our way through anything. God inhabits the praises of his people. How many believe that? Amen. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says this, if my people, look at your neighbor and say, I'm his people. Hallelujah. Which are called by my name shall humble themselves and praise and seek my face. Sister Cheryl, it don't matter what the world says. It don't matter what the adversary is saying to you all. Amen. If you will seek the face of God. Amen. I wanted to sing a a different tune, but the Lord laid something on my my heart. But the song that we we sang when Brother Scott was here, I wanted to sing that song, but God led me in a different direction. But this song, if I can just take just 30 more seconds came to me when Sister Tanil, I'm not even shared this with her. When she was in there doing the scans, didn't know what else to do but to look up and start calling on the name of the Lord. And this song came to my mind. See, I didn't know she was in there rejoicing too, Brother Jim. I didn't know, amen, that God was moving upon her. But I knew what I felt in me. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice. Over and over I was singing that song. How great. Is our God. See, he's my God. He belongs to me. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's not his will that any Brother McKinney should perish. Amen. So if we stand on that and proclaim the word word of God in the face of the enemy, I'm telling you, saints of God, nothing is impossible. Amen. Them that believe, and I believe, amen. Are you a believer here today? God is wanting to do some healing in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. How many believe that healing is here? See, we're not just talking about natural healing. We all want that. Amen. In our lives. But I'm talking about spiritual healing. It's the most important touch that you can get from God. Amen. Is that your soul is right with Him. So as we proclaim this song, amen. Hallelujah. If everything's good and fine in your life, then reach your hand out and pray for someone else. Amen. Because I'm telling you that Satan is attacking minds nowadays. The battlefield is in the mind. But healing is in this place, and I believe it. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all proclaim that with us. church. Do you really believe that?
I've come to do one thing today, and that's lift up the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we're waiting on you, Lord, to do what you want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. presence of the Lord is in this house to feel what we feel and the realness of it everything else as we studied this morning John said I got to decrease he's got to increase everything else has to decrease I'd like to just throw this out here to everybody that has something that has come against you, your family, whatever it is that you're dealing with right now. I want you to just say it's got to decrease. It's got to decrease. Jesus has got to get higher than my problems. I got to see him bigger than my situations. I've got to know that he is larger and increased in my life more than whatever I'm going through. Jesus. Jesus. Every problem decreased. You don't know the bigness of the problem. Let it decrease. I guarantee one thing. If you exalt Jesus, the problem will take care, be taken care of. Just say, let it decrease. Hallelujah. Whatever you're going through right now, I know tears are flowing. I know some people's heavy. I know some people are going through some stuff that is very sincere and, and severe. But I do know this, that if we will exalt the name of Jesus and just let everything else in this house decrease, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. Well, I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in this army of the Lord.
somebody and say I'm a soldier I am a soldier in this army of the Lord we got to get back to some old battle hymns that says we got victory over the enemy that we going to march into the enemy territory and take back what's been stole from us I don't know about you but I think that those songs have anointing in it I think the writers that wrote those songs had something going on. They had more than just a rhythm. They had more than just a lyric. I believe they had the power of God moving in their life. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll begin verse number 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. The Lord is good, always has been, always will be. Even when judgment's being poured out at the end time, God's still good. Amen. People only get what they deserve. And some of us have had mercy on our lives, so we didn't get what we deserved. I'm glad the Lord saw me and struggling and said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to have mercy on you. Amen. I'm glad for mercy. How many's glad for mercy? Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Everybody say, yesterday was Veterans Day. To our veterans in this church, you have a free meal coming to you and your spouse so that you can go to Hornets and get a meal on the church for being an Army, uh, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Space Force now, and, and then the Reserves. We have a lot of stuff going on. And uh, people have been uh, veterans of World War II. We don't have very many of those left. Veterans of the Korean War, veterans of Vietnam, and uh, we have uh, veterans here in this area that when you see them out and you know they're a veteran, give them a salute or a thank you for being a veteran and being someone who sacrificed. Somebody said, well, they didn't have much of a choice when the draft came. Oh, they had a choice. They could have run away to Canada. Some burned their draft card and did such a thing, and some went on and protected our country. And uh, Brother Larry, thank you for your service. Amen. Amen. Any other veterans in the house that maybe I don't know about because we got new folks coming, so don't want to leave nobody out. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, or thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And I just want to entitle this today, Chosen to be a Soldier. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you for the opportunity to speak to your precious people. I pray, Lord, that we will understand what an honor it is to be chosen to be a soldier in your army. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fight the good fight of faith. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go to warfare, that we will uh, finish the battle and be victorious in every aspect of our life. And, Lord, I ask that you would move in a mighty way here today for each and every one, for it's all in the mighty name of Jesus we ask and pray amen amen let's give the Lord a mighty hand and you may be seated looking at 2nd Timothy we all can understand that we all have warfare we all are going through something it may be different for you than it is for me but all of us are going through a battle it may be battles in our marriage. It may be battles in our home. It may be battles at work. It may be battles with church folk. But we all face battles. Understanding that because we are chosen to be a soldier, then we volunteered for the Lord to fight the good fight of faith and to do whatever He asked us to do. We didn't look at the Lord and say, I'll fight until the fighting gets bad and then I want out. We didn't say to the Lord, I will follow you until the way gets rough and then I'm turning back. But when we came to that altar, we made a promise to God and it's better not to vow a vow than to vow it and break it. We've made a vow unto the Lord. Lord, I will follow you. I will serve you all the days of my life. I think that as we made those promises, we understand the grace that is given unto us by Jesus Christ. We don't get what we deserve. Uh, we get uh, grace and mercy and we get long-suffering and we get uh, victories that we don't even deserve and we get to overcome in things that should overcome us. But I'm glad to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, and it may not make you shout, but back in the days of long ago when preachers stood up and began to talk about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ and talking about how that we can fight our way out of anything. We don't surrender. We don't give up. We don't let down. That's what frustrates the devil so much is that you keep coming to church when your life is falling apart. That's what frustrates the devil so so much is you keep praying when everything around you is chaos. That's what frustrates the devil so much is when you come to the house of God and you lift up your hands and begin to praise the Lord because the devil knows that as long as you are a praiser, he can't do anything with you. He may mess up things around you. He may tear down things around you, but as long as you are a 
praiser. The devil can't do nothing with you. That's why I've come today to lift up my hands and to lift up the name that is above every name. You have been chosen to be a soldier. You could have said no, but you said yes. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I want to always say yes to the Lord. Who wants to go to battle? Yes, Lord. Who wants to fight for the welfare of the church? Yes, Lord. Who wants to go to battle and help a brother or sister out of a situation? Yes, Lord. Who wants to stand up for the right and shun the wrong? Yes, Lord. Who wants to run this race and finish the course? Yes, Lord. Oh, somebody give a praise unto the Lord. There was something about this. The author of this epistle is to Timothy, and it is Paul who is the apostle. While some says, well, maybe it was Paul, maybe it wasn't because a particular style of the pastorals or conservative scholars accept that the Apostle Paul was indeed the author. The author addresses this letter to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, my dearly beloved son. Paul had a protege. He had a son in the ministry. He began to have a, a way to teach Timothy. This is how you got to fight the good fight of faith. This is what you do when people reject you. This is what you do when people don't like you. This is what you do when you've been beaten. This is what you do when you've been left for dead. This is what you do. I wish I had a little help in the house. Some of us ought to go back and read Paul's writing and see what Paul said about how to win the race and win the battle because some of us are losing out big time because we forgot what we got to be doing. We got to be speaking victory. We got to be upholding victory. We got to march on. We can't get offended at every little thing in life. We've got to stand up for the right. We've got to stand up for the right. I wish I had some marchers in the house. I wish I had some praisers in the house. I wish I had somebody who believed that you can have victory. I know we're living in a time when it seems like that everything around us is chaos. You can't even, you can't even get sense out of it. It's so chaotic and so weird. I don't even know how anybody with the Holy Ghost can say they're living in a normal world. I don't know how anybody that's got the Holy Ghost can team up with a bunch of sinners and say, I'm going to go this way because after all, I believe that what they're doing is good for mankind. What are they doing for the kingdom of God? What are they doing for the kingdom of God? Don't get wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in the world. In fact, the Bible says you've got to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says this. 
this. This is where we all got to get and we all got to hold on. He says, he that warth, no man that warth, entangleth himself. Don't get back in the world. The world will tangle you, tie you up, trip you up, and keep you from victory. Relationships will keep you from victory. Places you go will keep you from victory. I wish I had a little help in this house. I'm going to give y'all the mic and let y'all preach. Let me sit back. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't believe that coming to the house of God is the most exciting thing in your life, then you're lost and don't even know it. Why? Because when you get to this place, Brother Larry, there's a shout. When you get to this place, there's joy. When you get to this place, there is power. No, I'm only happy when things are going my way. Well, Timothy, let me tell you something, Timothy. You've got to endure hardness because there's going to be some tough things coming. Suck it up, buttercup. Get tough. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. No, pastor, I don't want to fight when somebody punches back. Yeah, you want to be like Hamas, go in and slaughter and then run for the tunnels. Sucker punch somebody and then run off. Let me tell you, the devil ain't looking for a sucker punch. I'm looking to put the devil under my feet. Oh, I'm looking for the devil to be put under my feet. Ah, somebody ought to say, I need to put the devil under my feet right now. He's tormented my mind long enough. He's messed with me long enough. Come on, somebody. Come on. He's been messing with you. He's been messing with your mind. He's been messing with you. The problem is, if we keep letting him mess with us, he'll mess right on. That's right. He'll mess right on. You see, what we got to understand is the devil wants to mess with the people of God. He ain't worried about the world. He'll mess with them all day long because he's already got them. He don't leave them alone. Trust me, the world ain't having a good day. I wish I had a little help in this house. The grass ain't greener on the other side. The world ain't having a good day. In fact, it's having such a bad day, I don't even know how anybody even in the world knows when they have a good day. But every time I come into the house of God, every time I feel His power and presence, every time I come into this place and all of a sudden I begin to feel that anointing and that presence of, Lord, of the Lord begin to flow in this place. There's something different about this place than at the local country club. There's something different about this place than the local restaurant. There's something different about this place than the local school or community center. There's something different. He said, the first thing you got to learn to do is you have got to endure hardness. I would love to tell you that it's going to get easier, but it's not going to get easier. If you're going to serve the Lord today, you're going to have to endure some hardness. 
There's going to be some hard things you're going to have to press through. There's going to be some hard things you're going to have to pray through. There's going to be some hard things you're going to have to say, well, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know if I'm going to get through it. And it may be the demise of me, but I'm still going to go down praising the Lord. I don't know about you, but I think if I'm going down, I'm going down praising the Lord. If I fall in the battlefield, I'm still holding the banner up. Ha, ha, ha. If somebody is going through something right now, it's your battle. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Because good soldiers don't get entangled with the world. Let me tell you something. Nobody in World War II got entangled with the Japanese. They didn't say, well, it looks better on their side. They got more planes and they, after all, look what they did at Pearl Harbor. Nobody in their right mind looks at, at Hamas and says, well, look what they did and look at all the tunnels they got and all the power and they got money flowing in from different countries and, and supplying all of their weapons and all of their stuff. And, 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 and they bound to be pretty good, so let's just hang out with them. We got stupid people in America protesting in the streets of our great cities uh, telling people that they're standing for the slaughter of babies and women and the rape of women and the killing of men and they're saying I ain't doing that but I'm standing for Hamas and I don't want Hamas to be beaten down I'm going to tell you something about Hamas they're savages they're evil demon possessed savages I'm going to help some of y'all I'm going to tell you, people that behead babies and put babies in ovens and bake them, they are not right. Why can't we stand up as a country and condemn it? Why can't sin be condemned by the church? Why can't we look at the world we're living in and say, if I'm going to be a good soldier, I can't get entangled with the things of the world again. I can't get entangled with the lifestyle. I can't get entangled with the way things are done. I've got to be a good soldier. Notice what he said. The things that you've heard of me, Paul saying this, and among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Notice he didn't just say commit to somebody, your buddy, the person you like, your family member. Let me tell you something. If we don't start committing things to faithful people, we don't need unfaithful people in Sunday school classes. If you don't believe the Word of God, you don't need to be in the, in the Sunday school class. We don't need unfaithful people on the platform. We need people that's going to live right, talk right, spit right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a Sunday morning. We're supposed to have kumbaya. <laughs> we got to understand that Paul is telling Timothy, you got to commit what I've taught you and put it in the hands of faithful men, faithful people, 
people that love Jesus as much as I do. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. You gotta love Jesus as much as I do. I'm saying to this church, you gotta love Jesus as much as I do. You gotta love him as much as I do. You gotta love, and I love him with all of my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. You gotta love him enough to lay down the world. You gotta love him enough to walk away from the entanglements. Now, I could go into a long list of entanglements, but I want you to know that it ought to be enough that verse number three says that you got to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ because verse four reveals those entanglements. What will they do to me? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Because what will it happen if I get wrapped up in the world? I will not please the one who's called me to be a soldier. What's going to happen if you get entangled with the world? You're not going to come on Sunday morning and lift your hands. It's just going to be, I'm here. What's going to happen if you get entangled with the things of the world and and, and instead of being a good soldier and, and lifting up the name of Jesus, I tell you what's going to happen. You're going to come to church and you'll feel nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to church and feel nothing. Sometimes people say, well, I went to church. I sat through the service. I didn't feel nothing. Well, let me tell you. It wasn't the music department because they sung their heart out. It wasn't the musicians because they played their fingers to the bone. It wasn't the preacher because my veins sticking out in my neck preaching to you. You might as well look in the mirror. Every time you have a bad service, every time you have a bad day, every time that you get entangled with the world, you're looking in the mirror and say, Whoa. If I want to please the one that's called me. Hmm. You want to please the one that's called you, then you're going to have to not get entangled with the, and notice what it says, affairs of this life. Affairs. Now, we all know the Lord is a jealous God, right? He's a jealous God. And if we start looking at idols, which is having an affair with an idol, spiritually having an affair with an idol. You ought to read your Bible. It's a fascinating book from Genesis to Revelation. You find that there was people that would set up idols. They would carve them out of wood and they'd carve them out of stone and out of silver and gold. Even the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, said, you know what, we don't know what's happened to Moses. So I tell you what, Aaron, why don't you just build us a golden calf? Because when you quit listening to senior leadership, you'll get younger leadership to build you a golden calf. 
Oh, I wish I had just a little bit of help in this house. Maybe about that much. You see, when Moses went to talk to God and he was up in the mountain for many days and they thought, well, we don't know what's happened to Moses. I, I don't know where he's at and who knows if he's coming back. So i tell you what you do. You build us a calf and you begin, you begin to set it up and we will worship it and we'll just have our our parties like we saw in Egypt. Why do you think for a moment they had a sexual orgy party at the golden calf? They certainly didn't see it at the tabernacle. I'm going to help some of us. They certainly didn't see it from Moses and Aaron and Joshua. They certainly didn't see it from God's ministers and God's people that was real. They saw it in Egypt. I'm going to help some of us. Egypt ain't going to show you nothing but how to have babies out of wedlock, how to be in a line of fornication and adultery and all sorts of sinful things, immorality, ungodliness, abominations. That's all the world's going to show you. You're not going to learn it in Sunday school at CAC. You're not going to learn it in the house of the Lord. You're not going to learn it in the presence of an all. Almighty God. But what you are going to learn, I want to be a good soldier. I want to fight the good fight of faith. I've got to not get entangled with the affairs of life. I thought about this. This is so important. Because he says, if we're going to please him who's called us, chosen us to be a soldier... We can't get entangled again. They had this golden calf and they were partying, you know. And, and I worry about, and, and don't get me wrong, I like to have a good time in the house of God. But, but I think that sometimes people put too much of an emphasis on a party. Holy Ghost party and Holy Ghost party don't stop. I think sometimes we get wrapped up. Oh, this is, I saw this, I saw this group of people do this. And oh, they, they was doing that. And oh, they was doing that. And they, it just sounded so awesome. Oh, they was doing it. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above looking down on you with love. So be careful, little I believe that we got to understand that they did not see the golden calf in the house of God. They did not see the golden calf in their times. Remember, they didn't have a tabernacle at the beginning. When this was going on, all they had was the word, Moses is talking to God. Sometimes we get all been out of shape. Who's Brother Richard think he is? Who's Brother Dwayne think he is? Brother DeBarge too young to talk to God. If we're not careful, we'll forget all they had. They didn't have church. They didn't have a choir. <laughs> they didn't have a gathering. But all they had was people that believed that Moses was trying to hear from heaven. 
on their behalf. And if you notice something, it was Moses and Joshua who came back. You see, some people's got to stick with Moses when he's in the mount. Some people's got to stick with Moses when you're coming back to chaos in the camp. I'm, I'm just going to help some of y'all. Some of y'all have decided to be islands all to yourself. I'm going to tell you, you're going to die there by yourself. You got to stand up for the right. You got to stand up in unity. You got to stand up and say, The church of the living God is a moving through the land. Well, the church of the living God is a moving through the land. Well, the church of the living God is a moving through the land. Hallelujah. 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 Well, it's Jesus on the inside. Working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Jesus on the inside. He's working on my outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Well, it's Jesus on the inside. He's working on my outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change. What a change. What a change. In my life. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he's on the inside. I'm glad he's working on the outside. I'm glad he's keeping me from getting entangled with the affairs of this life. Because when Moses and Joshua was coming back into the camp, oh, I hear the noise. Ah, it could be the noise of fighting. It could be the noise of war. It could be the noise of partying and, and all of this. And they came back and they found this golden calf. And you know what? He began to get so mad that he took the tables of stone and he just threw them down I don't know maybe you, you don't understand he wasn't mad at God he wasn't mad at being separate from the world he wasn't mad about coming out of all the sin of Egypt but he was mad at the people that had made a golden calf and was now bowing down to it saying these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt Well, all this on Veterans Day. I want to be a good soldier. I want to be a good soldier. I appreciate every soldier that is in this house. I appreciate every person who has been uh, a veteran and, and lived to tell about it. And those that lost their lives for it, I appreciate each and every one of them. A lot of our boys from Phelps didn't come back home. They was not as fortunate and blessed as Brother Larry was. They, they didn't make it back. There's a funerals held. My, my step-uncle was killed in Vietnam, and, and they held his funeral. You see, sometimes you just don't make it back. That's why the war has got to be fought in the right manner. Because if you die on the battlefield... 
You got to say, I give it my best. Uh, I give it my best. I, I began to fight the good fight of faith. I didn't let up when the going gets tough. I didn't let down when the going got rough. I didn't give up and throw in the towel just because I couldn't be man enough or woman enough to pray about my situation and to pray through my situation. I wish I had just a little bit of help because I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. So we ask the singers and musicians to come. I want to close with this because you see there's something about this being chosen to be a soldier that the Lord loved you enough to choose you. They may have been someone sitting beside of you, in front of you, behind you that did not get the call that night. But you got the call. And you began to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you began to say, I will fight against evil. I'll fight against sin. I'll fight for my family. I'll fight for my loved ones. I'll fight for my neighbors. I'll fight for this community. And you said, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because you were chosen. Let's all stand.